Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. This is your Monday Buckeye Talk, but we're giving it to you on Saturday just because, like, I mean, it matters. This what the topic we're talking about, it just matters. So we're giving you two extra days to listen to it. We're talking Ohio State transfer quarterback Will Howard from Kansas State. So all three of us sat down and watched Kansas State games over the last two years to see what Ohio State is getting in Will Howard. And I think Nathan and I were actually just joking about this, Andrew. I don't want to know if you have the same opinion on this or not, but it felt like at times it was hard to get a good read on Will Howard just because his protection did not hold up whatsoever. And I I almost feel like <laughs> we talked bad about Ohio State's offensive line all year. Kyle McCord was standing behind brick walls in comparison to what Will Howard was standing behind at times. It's bad for me, at least the games that I watched, I didn't think. I thought, you know, there was some um yeah, there was some some breakdowns, but like Howard was only in the in one of the games that I watched, the uh the Kansas game, um he was only sacked one time. Um I didn't think that and I didn't think that the protection was necessarily an issue, um, or a huge issue. The Oklahoma was- the Oklahoma State game that I did watch, uh, okay, yeah, that that was not great. Uh, Howard went down twice, but there was some, you know, there was some pressure throughout the night. So yeah, the the how how, how are we going to say? It? Yeah, the the pressure from Will Howard or the pressure that Will Howard faced was not exactly, uh, you know, he wasn't throwing behind the hogs. I'll put it like that. I just think it's it, we can still it can still be constructive though. We can still take yeah. something from how he responds to pressure. Um, what decisions he made? Because frankly, how Kyle McCord responded to pressure was part of the analysis of him this year, and how successful he was during the past year as a starting quarterback. So I think the same thing applies to Will Howard. We can we can get a sense of that. We 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 don't have to. We probably shouldn't bring up the offensive line too much in this. It should be more about when things went bad, no matter how often they went bad. How did Will Howard respond? Great segue. So let's talk about how <laughs> Will Howard responded when he got pressured or when he was blitzed in comparison to Kyle McCord. I actually have the PFF numbers up here. He was under pressure 31.1% of his dropbacks this past season. And on those dropbacks, he completed 45.1% of his passes. In compa- just in comparison to Kyle McCord last year, he was only under pressure on 24.9% of his dropbacks. He completed 39.2% of those, for t- and it was for 387 yards, two touchdowns, and three picks, while Will Howard was 555 yards, eight touchdowns, and four picks. But I think the more interesting numbers with Will Howard and why the offensive line is outside of this, there are moments where I, I think I know how they can use him at Ohio State, but then I also have some questions, Nathan, because it's like yeah. his numbers are a little confusing. <laughs> I'll just give you the rest of the pressure numbers, according to PFF. 
When kept clean at 68.9% of the time, he completes 67.2% of his passes for 2,075 yards, 15 touchdowns, and six interceptions. That's pretty – that's quality, right? That's where you kind of want to live at when you're kept clean. Maybe a little more efficient, but for the most part, that's pretty – that's fine. He was blitzed on 37.1% of his dropbacks, and he completed 61.9% of them, but it was for 1,065 yards, 13 touchdowns, and only two interceptions. So this dude knows how to pick apart a blitz. While when he's not blitzed, that's almost where he runs into trouble because maybe he has to see the field a little bit more. 62.9% of his dropbacks, he wasn't blitzed. For 60.3 completion percentage, 1,565 yards, 10 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. So last year taught me about Will Howard and the games I watched. If you blitz him, he knows how to how to replace that blitzer and get in. You know, he stays efficient in those situations, while if you just sit back and make him have to read the field, he's not always great at it. Well, I'd like to compare that across college football and see what some of those those numbers were. Um, It's also a little bit, you know, this is a team that that did a lot with screens. I saw a lot of dump offs when he was being blitzed and things like that, which is times a positive that you you kept your your wits about you and you dumped it off at times. I was a positive for Kyle McCord this past year. Uh, it, to me, w- the the numbers that you you rattle off there when he's being blitzed, like okay, CJ Stroud like was the king of that. Like if you blitz CJ Stroud, you were playing right into his mm-hmm. hands. I think his numbers are probably even better than that. I'd have to go back and look. Like he just just astonishingly just killed you, just killed you when you blitzed him. But CJ also had the other thing where he was mm-hmm. elite level when you didn't blitz him, when you just when he could throw guys open. That was something I watched for two games looking for that moment from Will Howard and didn't see a lot of that. So uh, now different, different personnel. I think Kansas state is Kansas, more of Kansas state's talent was in the backfield and they, they used it accordingly. But still, I think when you start talking about, is he um, the, the a better version of what Ohio state had last year, or is he a step back towards that special type of quarterback? play that they've had the previous four or five seasons, that's to me going to be maybe the determining factor is what does he look like in this Ohio state offense when he has time to throw and does have to analyze and read and pick apart a defense, because that's the difference between a guy who was successful and has been a good quarterback at Kansas state and did what he did, but was in like the one forties on quarterback rating and what Ohio state has been doing the 170 180 190 pushing 200 in efficiency rating like that's a that's a pretty big gap and that's where that gap shows up Andrew what was your when you watch him what's your biggest takeaway well uh I don't I don't think we split these games up in a in a manner that was necessarily the best um (laughs) because I didn't think he was good against Kansas the game that I watched against Kansas and I thought he was downright bad like really bad when they played Oklahoma State so like I want to go look at some of these other games. Like I need to go see him play some of these other games, um, you know, just to see. I think a po- I'll give a positive and a negative. Um, a positive is when, like, the biggest takeaway is that when it's sunny and seventy, it looks good. Like it looks re- like when he's able to drop back, make his first read, and let it fly. That is just outstanding. I took obviously a bunch of notes from each game. Um, but the Kansas game, the first play of the game, it was clearly a design shot play and they took a play action and he threw it deep and it just like, 
he just has a he just has a cannon of an arm and it just kind of like flicks. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you, this is a, you know, podcasting is an audio medium, but everybody else can kind of understand what I'm talking about. It's just a flick of the wrist and it flies. And that was really impressive to me. It was right on the money. It was a great post route. Um, I, you know, I thought he did a really good job of, of, you know, kind of identifying that, making the throw. It's just when it looks good and when it's in rhythm and when it's consistent, you feel really good about where, where you're at with Will Howard. The negative would be, I just saw it too many times where the accuracy is a concern, like the accuracy is is an issue. And I think part of that was, and we can get into this as we go game by game, obviously, but there were just kind of moments throughout each of those games where I just, I watched him throw and I went, man, he had him. He had that dude. Like he had that dude there and, and he didn't throw it. Or... You know, he tried to fit a tight window and it just didn't work. And it, and there are there are accuracy things and decision con- decision making concerns that I have a kind of about when things do go off script, when you have to go second, third, fourth read, when you do have to move outside the pocket. I think there are some good things about that, but the accuracy thing and the accuracy concerns is, is something that I certainly have. Nathan, I didn't like his ball placement on a lot of these throws. It, it's just... He doesn't – there were so many times where you were hearing announcers go I, – I, I was watching the Big Ten, the Big 12 championship game from last year, and Kirk Herbstreit shut it on one of the throws. It's like if he puts it out in front of him, not only is it a catch, but there's yards after the catch probably too. And there was a lot of times where you could apply that math of like if you just put the, that ball in a better place, you probably maximize that throw a lot better than you did. To, to Andrew's point – the accuracy wasn't so much that like, oh, he's just throwing five yards off of guys. It's just he's not giving guys a chance to come down with the ball all the time or do something with it afterward. Yeah, I saw some of that too. There was a play in – so the two games that I watched were from both this season. Missouri, which was a game that they lost on a 61-yard field goal at the end, um, and Texas, which is a game they lost 33-30 to in overtime. So there you go. A playoff team and another New Year's Six Bowl team, and they're right there to win both of them at the end of the game. And that's that's not nothing because he's not playing. He's not quarterbacking a team with as much talent top to bottom as Kansas State and I, or as, as Ohio State. And I think that deserves some recognition. I do think, though, that based on what I've known about Ohio State fans over the past five years and our listeners, that in both of those games – we would have looked at our texts after the game and seen Will Howard has to do better things in order for us to win those games. And I think there is all, all of the, there are skills there that I think Ryan Day probably also sees and says, well, if I just refine this a little bit, this is really going to be something. And I don't think that's a reach. I think it's probably there, but there was a play. in so in that Missouri game, again, where they've got the ball late, they're trying to drive and get into, you know, either put this game away or, or add points. And there was a big drop in that game, which I think technically goes down as a drop, but it was also a ball that was very clearly thrown behind the receiver. And it, it was just one of those like very fine points that, in in real time, it looks one way. When you look at it again, it looks like oh, if because he's throwing into traffic, even though he is sort of throwing a guy open to get to that point I was making before, it, the ball placement's just not right there. If, if going back to the week before the Cotton Bowl, I was asking 
Brian Hartline because I wanted to get past all of the, oh, we really like Devin's intangibles. and He's been a great leader in his personality. I'm like, well, okay, but is he a better quarterback? Like, is he coming along as a, as a, as a, as a skill refining quarterback? And one of the things Brian Hartline brought up was in the past, a ball that was supposed to be on the back hip is now a ball that was supposed to be on the front hip used to be on the back hip. Now it's on the right. It's on the correct hip. Like those things are massive at this level. Like it, 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 I don't think I'm telling people things they don't know, but it's, you know it when you see it in a game and these guys definitely know it when they see it on film and in practice, when a, a ball hits a guy and allows him to, to make, to, to, to keep going in stride or allows him to even have his hands free to make the catch rather than having to reach behind him. And now it's more contested. It's, it's a huge difference, even though it's only a, a separation of like a, a foot of real space. So I think Will Howard at times I saw him throw. I, it's not like I saw that chronically. I, I saw other times where he did it well, but I saw enough of those instances over these two games that I watched that it, it, it does make me, it, it just, it's one of those things that reinforces why, why he was so highly regarded when he went in the portal and so many very good teams were interested in him. And also why some of his efficiency numbers were what they were over these past few years. The first thing I wrote down in my notes, and I think I'm going to spend a lot of this pod trying to figure it out as we talk this thing through is which receiver on Ohio State's roster benefits the most from him being here. What I mean by that is Chris Olave and what he was as a receiver and as a, his skill set was perfect. It was perfect marriage with Justin Fields. Also, obviously, what happened in the Fiesta Bowl is what happened. But like, go go look at the all the other games they played together. It was magical at times because he was a he was speedy, he was smooth, and he got down the field. And Justin Fields, one of the best thing he had, he had a rocket for an arm. And it's why he had 12 touchdown catches in, in 2019. And it's why he led this team in catches and receiving yards and touchdowns in 2020. It's because that was a perfect marriage together as quarterback and wide receiver. Garrett Wilson was perfect for everybody. Uh, I, but I, I would have wondered what Garrett Wilson could have looked like with Dwayne Haskins in 2018 if he had been here, if he had gotten there that hmm. year instead of 2019. We and talked about Yeah, yeah, especially in the slot. I mean, Nathan, I probably have exhausted the conversation of how perfect C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith the Jigba were together because that's a slot dude who takes seven-yard catches and makes them 27-yard gains. And as we're talking about with Will Howard here, C.J. Stroud's ball placement was so great at times that he always allowed for opportunities for guys to get yards after the catch. And we saw that on full display. Uh, yes, the Utah game was what it was, but also we saw it on full display in the Nebraska game earlier that year when those two started to really connect in that game. Kyle McCord, he never really got there with anybody. Marvin Harrison Jr. is just Marvin. And so, like, you yeah. know, that's I think that was more Marvin than Kyle. I'm trying to figure out if we're assuming the room's going to be a Mecca Buka, who is a guy who I think is more like Jackson, a bigger, stronger guy who's a yards after the catch guy. Brandon Ennis is like that as well as two slot guys who can do that, but also Emeka can go outside. Carnell Tate is probably closer to Marvin Harrison Jr. in terms of play style as a guy who's more of a possession receiver who is developing in all the other areas. And this is at base level, obviously. Marvin developed other things as well. And then you've got Jaden Ballard, who's your like downfield speedy threat guy. And then Jeremiah Smith might just be the dude who, by the end of his career here, we're talking about him the way we talk about Marvin. It's like, he's just Jeremiah. He does a little bit of everything. Of that group, who is benefiting from Will Howard's skill set the most? And I'm not sure I know who that is quite yet. 
Well, uh, to finish your other thought, I would argue, if not Marvin, then probably Cade Stover was the one who benefited the most from Comic Court. That's who he had maybe the best connection with. Um, So one one reason why it's a little bit difficult is because Kansas State's offense and Ohio State's offense at times do not resemble each other. Kansas State Mm -hmm. ran a lot of like dual running back stuff, at least in the games that I watched. And like I said before, I felt like it was an offense that really – try to get the ball in the hands of those guys, whether that was a lot of screen work, whether that was a lot of, uh, you know, one of the nicer plays that that um, Howard made in the Texas game, I believe it was, was there was a like kind of a late release. Um, no, I'm sorry. That was, a, maybe it was against Missouri. I can't remember now. But there was like a late release um, play by the running back and, um, Howard stepped up in the pocket and drilled him over the middle for a big gain at a time when they really needed one. Um, and we've seen, you know, I, I guess that kind of made me think a little bit of a, a similarly big play that the Trevin Henderson made um, out of the, out of the, as a receiver. What was that? Was that the Rutgers game? I'm trying to remember yeah. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like that, that, that has been there. It's just so much more integral to what Kansas state has done. And I don't think Ohio state's going to do that. I, if, if Ohio state sees that on film and says, for some reason, the combination of Howard's size and his, the, the danger that it presents to teams that he might be running the ball is going to open something up for that. Then the guy who might benefit from the most from this is Trevian Henderson. If they see that as taking the, what used to be more of just a, um, when he came back from the injury at midseason, you saw something come alive where McCord, who one of the criticisms of him maybe early especially was too much reliance on the checkdown as like a safety valve. Well, now the checkdown became a weapon. And I think the next step beyond that would be someone being able to use that as a, a more direct weapon than just worrying than just using it as a checkdown. And we're back on Buckeye Talk. Get the text 614-350-33. One five two week free trial three ninety nine. After that, there's a lot going on right now. Even though they're not playing football, they're figuring out what their 2024 roster is going to look like, and that's a reason to sign up for the text. Whether it's guys, you know, declaring for the NFL draft or coming back, or to recruits committing, or anything transfer portal news, all that stuff. It goes to your phone first. Two three ninety nine, and then ah, excuse me, two week free trial, and then three ninety nine after that six one four three five zero three three one five. But right now, we're talking Will Howard, Ohio State's transfer quarterback from Kansas State. Nathan, let's start with you. We kind of gave like a, a, a short runner, just like build up into this conversation, but we watched him because we're trying to get an understanding of what he is as a quarterback and how Ohio State can use him in their offense. So I want, let's start with the, the passer part of this before we get into the running part of this. What stands out about his skill set? That you look at him and go, okay, Ohio State can use that on Saturdays to win football games. So, Andrew already touched on one of the things that that I noticed as well, which is just the the sheer arm strength. That at times there's a very sort of like effortless. You can make big throws effortlessly, and I think that is something that Ryan Day probably sees. You know, Ryan Day watches football games differently than we watch football games. Like, and he watches quarterbacks with. A, a different nuance than we watch quarterbacks. I mean, he's, he's made it the focus of his life. He steadies it down to a, a granular detail in a way that I don't think any of us have that level of insight yet. He, he can detect very esoteric things within quarterback play. 
And I trust that he did by watching the totality of all the games that Will Howard, I mean, we're talking about six games. I'm sure Ryan Day had someone cut up the whole shebang, like four years worth of games. We're certainly like every game for the past couple of years and, and get a real sense of what he is top to bottom, the whole makeup of him. And I think that's got to be one of the things that he likes. There are times when he will really like put a lot of juice on a ball. He can really rifle it. And we saw that from Kyle McCord at times last year, too. There is a certain element here where you're dealing with a everybody you're going to be dealing with uh, at this level it has got a bit of an arm, right? That's why they're at Ohio State. Ryan Day is not recruiting noodle arms to, to come here and, and just kind of run around and and make a pass every once in a while. You've got to be able to throw it first and foremost. So I, now whether that arm strength compares, how it compares to Devin Brown, I think is an interesting conversation to have. Um, there were too many times, and again, the two games that I watched, the Missouri and Texas games, uh, the Texas game was a better example. So the Missouri game, man, Missouri had a really good defensive line. Anybody notice that? Like they were, they looked really good yeah. in the Cotton Bowl, and I thought they did a great job of really disrupting Kansas State in the game that they played. There were a lot of plays where, um, where Howard was back on his heels and uh, having to try to, to throw out of that. And the Texas game, they're down seventeen to nothing, and then he finally kind of gets things going, and they come back and and make it a, a game that has to go to overtime before Texas holds on for a a thirty three thirty win. But you started to see him, and I don't know if this was a a response to maybe the way Texas was defending. I do think they started protecting better as this game went on and gave him a chance to actually make plays in the pocket. But you started to finally see after, again, like two games, like I wasn't really seeing. One of the things that I wanted to see from him was, and I know we're not, we're not going to get into him yet as a runner, but someone of his size, do you still have mobility within the pocket? Because I think it's important to be able to to move within the pocket, reset, and, and make a play downfield off of that. And it was the second half of this Texas game where I really felt that that started to become a, a tangible strength that you saw from him, where he could you know sidestep or step up and hit a guy downfield for an important gain. It finally started to happen in a Texas game, but I had to kind of watch a game and a half before that finally clicked in. So I think for Ohio, projecting it ahead to, well, I guess you could either project it behind to the Ohio State team we saw this past season, since it could be very much a very similar offensive line arrangement, or projecting it ahead to what we think it could be next year. I I, I would expect better protection, and I would expect better route running from the athletes and the 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 receivers that Brian Hartline has, has tutored in that room. And I think you're going to, the elements are there for that to be more um, productive next year for, for, for Howard not to have to rely on the, the screen game, the check downs for as much of his production as he did. It's why he only averaged whatever it was, 7.4 yards per attempt. I think this year, which is poor Mm -hmm. like that would never, never, ever in the modern era at Ohio state would they settle for that? Like people were, people thought, people thought Kyle McCord was a, a check down artist and he was still above nine this year. Like that tells you what kind of a gap we're talking about. He's got to push that number up towards that level. And he was only at like 8.2 in 2022. So even then he was still like a full yard below where Ohio state kind of tries to play at its bare minimum. And 
this is an area where he's going to have to show that he's better than what he showed at Kansas State. And I is is the downfield throwing guys open and not and making plays downfield with your arm and your vision. Andrew, go ahead and give your thoughts. What 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 stands out about him as a passer? As a passer, you know, I, I already kind of touched on this earlier in the pod, um, you know, with like when it looks good, it's good, right? When it's um, when things look on schedule and when things look in rhythm, man, it can look pretty. Um, the accuracy issues are a problem and, and also inconsistency, too. There was just moments where, you know, in the Kansas game, for example, he had just just you see the arm strength and you can see great ball placement where you know it takes a step drop is third down Kansas State was trying to run out the clock and they they get a first down they win the game they're only up by four he takes a drop back third and nine out route on great coverage put it right where it had to be and you're like wow that's an NFL throw right like he's got the arm strength it was a quick read it was a three five it was three or five step drop I don't remember but it was a quick drop just immediately knew where he was going with the ball, fired it right into the chest, great throw. And you see the arm strength and you see the accuracy. Like when it's there, it's really good. And then there are just moments in the game where it's inconsistent. You know, I mentioned, um, you know, sometimes when it gets off script, it can go a little haywire. And I saw that one, you know, a little bit too, uh, you know, too uncomfortable for my liking. Um, You know, in the Kansas game, for example, Kansas should have won that game. Like Kansas, Kansas State shouldn't have won. Um, Howard, they uh, Howard, they were down eleven, and for, well, they came back from eleven. So for whatever you value that at, there was like he would just make these decisions where right after that you're like, what are you doing? Like he would make these great throws, and he would make these nice little reads, and he has great pocket mobility, and he can move around the pocket. He keeps his eyes downfield. You know, it's it's not one of these things where he's just running around and defensive linemen their jock straps are going into the upper deck because they have no idea where this guy's going. It's just he he has a great feel for the pocket and he can move around and do all those things and and keep his eyes downfield to try and throw the ball. And I thought that that was impressive. But then every once in a while he'll do that and he'll throw what should have been a pick six. And like Kansas, they had uh, in that game um, they had a, a an extra point block that was returned for a two point conversion. And uh, they threw an interception in the end zone and Howard should have gave him a pick six. Like the linebacker jumped the route, completely did not see that they were sitting in cover two. linebacker jumped the route in his hands, just dropped the ball. And that would have made it an 18 point game. And that probably would have cost them the game. And that is what we have talked about with Kyle McCord so often, so often I'm slamming my table where it's like one, one decision like that can hurt you. And we can point to the Notre Dame game and we can point to all these other games and say like, yeah, well, the Notre Dame guy dropped the ball, so it didn't hurt you. Or the Penn State game, ah, well, that, you know, that fumble thing, whatever that was, where it's like Penn State scored the touchdown, but they called it an incomplete pass or something like that didn't count. So it didn't really hurt you. Well, it's the same thing. Like you can't be doing that. You can't be nearly gifting teams pick sixes. So those are some, you know, kind of things that stuck out to me is that you see the flashes, right? Like when it's good and when it's when it's on, it looks really good. I think the arm strength is there. The accuracy can be there at times. And then there are just other times where you look at it and you're like, he is he's dancing with the devil a little bit here. And he almost cost them. And, and that was that was the problem for me with his passing was that 
right when you're ready to be like, wow, this is great. And this looks really good. He'll do something that you're not a fan of, or he'll do a couple of things that you're not a fan of. It'll be a whole drive. It'll be a whole quarter, a couple of drives. So you see the talent, you see the arm talent, you see the accuracy when it's there, you see him move around the pocket. And then just sometimes it's the accuracy that that is not always consistent, and the decision making is just sometimes it's you question. I'm glad I let you two go first, Nathan. I'll start with you because you cite the yard the yards per attempt a lot with quarterbacks, and I think it's probably one of the more valuable stats that you can measure a quarterback with. He was at 7.4, which is very middle middle of the road nationally with quarterbacks. There were only 14 quarterbacks in the country who were nine yards per attempt or more. This year, obviously, Kyle McCord was amongst those quarterbacks. Only two of them, and that's Preston Stone at SMU and Caden Salter, who at Liberty, but now in the transfer portal, are the only two who completed less than 65% of their passes and still were like that. So I do wonder, Nathan, if there is an, there's probably a, you know, a marriage there of high yards per attempt, efficient passer, right? There, there's got to be some, like, that's, some math adds up with that, right? And you're, is that, would you say that's yes. fair? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yes. When I, I when I when what? I'm looking at quarterback, when I want to when I am trying to determine if I think a quarterback is good, I don't care about their yards per game. And yes. I don't really even care about their touchdown. Touchdowns actually I guess I would care more about. I, I want to see quarterback efficiency rating, I want to see yards per attempt, and I want to see completion percentage, but it's even better if you can get adjusted completion percentage, which takes into account depth of target and things like that. Okay. I forgot one, three, Jason Bean from Kansas also was under 65%. He was at 62.3. But Will Howard also only completed 61.8% of his passes. And I think that number goes up just because he's at Ohio State. Agreed. Yes. Yes. So I wonder if, we, and we were having this conversation on the emergency pod, the question, 1.7 yards Yards. That was the difference between Kyle McCord's yards per attempt and Will Howard's. I just wonder if that's the difference is one was at Ohio State and one wasn't. And we might actually find that out this year if we decide to just, hey, what's Kyle McCord doing over there in Sy- at Syracuse in the ACC? So I, I'm keeping that in the back of my head when it comes to yards per attempt is that sometimes if you just get see an uptick in talent around you, your completion percentage might just go up, which also leads to your yards per attempt going up. Well, it, it's, it's an uptick in talent. It's also an uptick in um, or a, a change in offensive philosophy, because as I said before, right. and as you guys saw, this was a not a not a downfield striking offense that much. No. And even when it was more uh, horizontal, I don't know that it it just didn't have the same vibe often that Ohio State's does, where you felt like a big play was always right around the corner. Because this is, I don't believe a a, a similar level of receiver talent. Certainly not from what I mean. They had nothing like Marvin Harrison Jr on the field for them last year. And it, when you start to look at it that way, because there were times I was doing kind of this exercise. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to imagine he's not, I'm going to try to imagine it's Kyle McCord making these throws. And when he, when he makes them, do I feel like, Oh, that's something I never seen Kyle McCord do, or that's like a revelation. And that exercise was actually kind of useful. Cause I don't know that I necessarily thought that a, a lot of times when I was watching him throw the ball. However, when you then try to do it in reverse and you start to think, okay, well now I want to go, I want to imagine this play happening, except it's Marvin Harrison Jr. He's throwing the ball to instead of this guy who dropped it or this guy who wasn't quite there or this guy who couldn't jump up and make the play. Like there were enough of those that I, I could see where it, it's going to make a difference. And again, when you, when you have to sometimes look at games to see, so he threw 10 interceptions this year. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one I saw one of them in. Oh, I saw a couple of them, but one in particular oh, yeah. in the Texas yeah. game, mm-hmm. there was a a nice throw um, yep. down the middle of the field, and in a it's just this weird thing happens where the guy bobbles the ball as he's falling down, and a second defensive back happens to just be swooping over and catches this tipped pass out of the middle of the air and takes off with it. So like that's that shouldn't go down on a quarterback stats as an interception. However get back to something Andrew was talking about the start of the Missouri game. I thought this was a very interesting exercise because Ohio state, uh, when Devin Brown came out in that game, it wasn't real crisp and it, we, we weren't that shocked by that. It's a, it's a guy making his first career start, uh, in the sec, um, in a bowl game against a top 10 team in, and on top of all that massive implications for the rest of his career hanging over that Mm -hmm. game. Like there was a lot that's going into that game. That's probably on Devin Brown's mind as he's trying to go out and run an offense. So we thought it might be a slow start. By the way, common court had like 10 slow starts this year out of 12 games, I think. So not, not a stunner that start off slow. The Missouri game, he gets credited with a touchdown pass on the first drive of the game, but he throws a ball like high and behind his receiver to where it really, a DB gets his hand on it. It probably should have been picked off. It gets tipped up. Another receiver comes over and catches it. Like the most flute touchdown catch that he probably, that you probably saw all year. And then the, I think it was the second drive of the game. He he's under pressure, throws the, a bad ball off his back foot and into a crowd and a, a guy picks it off. And that was, he'd had interceptions in the first three games. Like I'm trying to imagine myself if, Kyle McCord or Devin Brown had won the job and then had just thrown interception and interception in each of the first three games this year. Like again, people would have been losing their minds a little bit and they, or at least would have had real concerns about it. So I'm not trying to, I'm not, this isn't, we're not poop talking uh, Howard here. We're just trying to give you the, the full, um, the full grasp of everything we're seeing from him. And as, as I said before, I, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle as to whether the, the increase in talent will help make up for some of the inefficiencies in his game. But those inefficiencies are still there in some cases, regardless of who he was thrown to. So I think there is some refinement that has to happen here, but that's also why Will Howard is coming here. Like Will Howard has played four years of college football. If he thought he was ready Mm -hmm. for the NFL, he would be in the NFL draft. Now he would just go like, if he thought he was like a day two pick at worst and was, was ready to go be a year or two away from quarterbacking an NFL team, he would be there right now. I don't think he thinks that. I think he thinks he needs to come to a place like Ohio State or USC, one of the other places he was strongly considering, and be under Ryan Day or Lincoln Riley and fix the things that aren't yet NFL ready in his game. That's why he's coming here. Not just because he can win at Ohio State, not just because uh, the collectives um, helped him out. He needs to be a better quarterback a year from now to do the things he wants to do in the NFL. Okay, Andrew, let's attack yours now. I agree with you 100%. It's like he takes one step forward and three steps back with every decision he makes. And it's just, at times, it feels like kind of mine. It's like, why did you make that throw? Why did you make that decision? And then you go, why don't you do that every single time? But I do wonder if uptick in environment again i'm going to use yeah. that a lot uptick in environment and i, I wrote about that for the side on friday this like this idea of these quarterbacks these veteran quarterbacks who all of a sudden transfer to a place where it's an uptick in their environment and they turn into these heisman trophy finalists college football playoff level quarterbacks simply because they got into a better environment so i'm going to use that a lot on this pod so i'm sorry that's almost hashtag uptick in environment 
Yeah. Well, so I just so you're aware, the his leading receiver, Will Howard, wore number 34 in 2023. That's all you yep. need to know. I don't just That's, he wore like number 34. Yeah. Don't tell Devin Brown that. <laughs> okay. So, but the reason I, I I bring up the decision making is, and it's very important because you keep saying like USC and Ohio State. Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day in whatever order you want to put them in are considered the two best quarterback developers in college football. And those are the two guys who wanted him. That says something. That tells you what might be there if it clicks. I do wonder, Andrew, because we talked about that with Kyle McCord a lot. It's like, okay, he does this every single week. Is it ever going to cost Ohio State? And it didn't until the Michigan game. But then also on the other sideline, you had J.J. McCarthy, who also every single week it feels like he's – gonna jj it and it might go good or it might go bad and it hasn't cost michigan yet so i do think there's a balance there right there's a there's a line you gotta walk on time and place to do certain things and i do wonder if ryan day can get that in his head of like just helping him develop that skill of when you need to do certain things so to your point it doesn't feel like Every second or third throw, it's a bad decision that could have gone a lot worse than it actually did. Yeah, the I was looking at Ohio State's schedule. I, I don't think we're going to know. I mean, if we do know, it would be bad. I don't think we're going to know about Will Howard until they play Iowa on Saturday, October 5th. Because mm-hmm. we – I think two things can be true. I think, uh, I think a lot of people are going to look at it and, – and I'm not purposely trying to be negative – I'm just, I think a lot of people can look at it. And and I thought this too. I wrote this down in my notes. When you watch the Kansas game and you watch the Oklahoma State game and you watch any other throw that he made, you're like, I wonder what would have happened if that dude was going to the NFL. I wonder what would have happened if, forget Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. is an outlier. I think we can admit that, that there's, we agreed, we did a podcast solely debated, did, uh, solely on this guy, solely directed about this, that he was the number one guy, that he is one of one. So like, even if you're just like, I wonder if that was a Mecca Ibuka, if that, if that's a throw that gets made, or I wonder if there's a Mecca Ibuka on the field, there's a throw that he can, that he can just find because Mm -hmm. the dude's open now. And I think that that, that's the other thing too. When you watch these college games, there isn't the all 22 angle. So you can't see from the end zone what's going on. So you don't know what he's looking at exactly. We watched it, at least for me, I watched the ESPN broadcast of both of the games that I watched. So you you can see like, I wonder what would happen if this had, if, if he had this guy, or if he had a five-star here, or if this guy was really good. And, and I don't want to disrespect Kansas State's receivers too much, but Ohio State's receivers are just at a different level. We all know that. You can't say that the, when you just said one of his weapons was wearing number 34. He's a tight You've end. already disrespected He's a tight them. end. Um, <laughs> however... I think you could also make the case that like Howard's going to have to take another step up because yeah, you're going to have better receivers, but guess what? Like Ohio state schedule in 2023, they played Notre Dame, Penn state and Michigan. And those were three top 10 defenses. And two of them are on the schedule in 2024. Oh, by the way, and Iowa is on the schedule and they were a top 10 defense in 2023. So you're going to, yeah, you're going to have better dudes and yeah, you're going to have a better supporting cast. The schedule is also going to get harder, right? You're you, cause you have to play Iowa and you have to play a great defense in Iowa. And then you have to go on the road and outscore an Oregon team that 
I mean, it, I think it's you could say that they always have a good offense, and you're going to have to do you're going to have to beat a uh, you know kind of a, a grinded out Iowa team at home and play a great defense, and then you're going to have to go on the road and win a game against one of the better teams in the country in Oregon, where you might have to score like 38 to win that game, 35 to win that game, 34 to win that game, whatever it is. So. I think you could say that the talent is going to get better around him because it is, but I also think it's fair to point out that he's going to play better teams than he's ever played before. More consistent. Yeah, I, was actually, I was actually just looking to see what the best pass defense he would have played this year is. I'm mm-hmm. um, just kind of scanning down through here. I think it's Troy. Troy was actually a really good defense this year. Well, Troy was actually a really good defense laugh. this year. They, I didn't they, mean Troy to was laugh. Good defense, Sorry to Troy. I think, I think they were 10th nationally in total defense, but they were 18th yeah. nationally in yards allowed per attempt. And a, a fairly good uh, quarterback rating allowed. Um, so, but again, it wasn't like they played a lot of, like, you look at Ohio State's schedule, Notre Dame, number one in opposing QB rating. Michigan, number three in opposing QB rating. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame, number, um, I already said Notre Dame. Penn State, number Penn 11. State. Maryland, number 12. Like, they played some of the best defenses in the country. Um, Penn State, um, I think I already, did I already say Penn State? Yeah, I mean, so, like, that is one thing I worry about here. Not worry about, but I think it, there's an adjustment that you have to make. The Big Ten is the Big Twelve is not known for great defense. It kind of made a little turn in 2022 or 2021, I guess it was, when Jim Knowles and Oklahoma State sort of like almost made the playoff coming out of there and, and mm-hmm. built that team on defense and and made their stand on defense. So it almost happened there, but it, it, by and large, it's not a conference that is strongly respected for its defensive play the the way the big 10 is the big 10 is almost people think too defense reliant so he's going to be facing a better complement of teams by and large uh, although adding in these teams from the pac-12 may balance that out a little bit tj stroud said something in the spring of 2022 that stuck with me and then i wouldn't have a conversation with him about it is that sometimes you just say f it and just throw it up because it's Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Julian Fleming, Marvin, just because of who's down there. Sometimes you say, you know what? Let's see what happens. And they come down with it. There were some catches that Marvin Harrison Jr. had in 2022, Nathan, even in that Iowa game, since we're talking about Iowa, where it's like, that's a hell of a throw from C.J. Stroud. But it's also a hell of a catch from Marvin Harrison Jr. Will Howard has never had someone where he can just say, F it, let's just see what happens. Um, Andrew, you come with the Bengals. Jamar's down there somewhere. Jamar down there somewhere. (laughs) So, like, it's what NFL teams do, right? They draft a quarterback, and then they go get him a weapon because now he's got somebody when it's third and eight and you just need it. Go route. Yeah. Go find the ball, buddy. He has not had that yet, and so I am wondering what it looks like when he gets it. There was definitely a 2022 element for Stroud where not only was he throwing – it's kind of like an an age-old thing in football. Like, oh, he threw that where the DB couldn't get to it. But he was also yeah. throwing it where like no human could get to it except maybe yes. Marvin and some of those guys yes. you're talking about. Like honestly, I don't think we're overstating that. Like there were not not on every throw and not every game even, but there's a handful of times a season that would happen and Marvin could make those catches. And it was much less of that this past season. As much as McCord relied on Harrison, mm-hmm. those those like know it when you see it moments weren't quite there as much. I did see from with the times where Kansas State would play an offense that more closely resembled Ohio State. I did see some flashes. There was a big moment in the Texas game where um, I even like wrote it. It reminded me of the Stroud Xavier Johnson play touchdown against Notre Dame, like the game winner 
in 22, the start of the 2022 season. I just I wrote down like very Ohio State play, like a play, a play action pass where he, he hits a guy with a top, the safety bites, he's got a one-on-one and can just nail a guy for a long touchdown. Like that sort of thing, he knows how to do it. And I thought he also in general made good decisions. I thought he made better decisions in the run game, so maybe we should save that. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I had less quibbles with his read option decisions sometimes than I did with some of the passing decisions. But and that's an important distinction because those passing decisions, as Andrew said, are very influenced by things that we can't see. The the read option decisions are are pretty much right in front of you. Like you know what you get there. And I thought by and large he he made better decisions there. And we'll see how much Ohio State lets him do that. I'll add one more thing. This is my biggest takeaway. I watch, I've watched a lot of Will Howard the past week because once you, the ball gets rolling on this thing, you're expecting it to happen at any time. So I watched I, I watched the Big Ten, Big 12 championship game from last year. I also watched this year's – I can't remember the name of the Iowa State game. But I've also seen a lot of these other games we've been talking about this week. Because, um, listen, I, I'm a host of a pod now, man. <laughs> this is what I got to do. But I think my biggest takeaway with him as a passer – is two things. One, I'm going to bring up the offensive line again, but the reason I'm bringing it up is because it was so bad at times, you got to see how he handles pressure and how his footwork is in that pocket, his ability to buy time and then find a guy downfield. I thought there were moments where he was excellent at that. So while the offensive line limited some things, it also showed you some other things that are going to matter. But I would also say there were definitely also times where I thought he didn't look like a fourth year guy with 20 some career starts. Like the last, yes. the last, the last <laughs> offensive play against Texas uh, oh. in overtime <laughs> where he, they just, I don't, they really don't even get a playoff. It's fourth and mm. goal in overtime. There's pressure that comes. He's kind of scrambling around. And then I can't even remember if they credited him with getting the pass off, which is just sort of like a, or, or if he was down, um, deep in the backfield from where he had kind of just like tripped and, and started to fall. Those kind of instances where I'm like, you know, I just expect the the poise wasn't always where I thought it would be for a guy with his experience. It wasn't, but also I beg, I, I, I came to that conclusion too, but also I had to remember because they even showed uh, Casey Thompson on the sideline. You got Adrian Martinez, excuse me, on the sideline. We have to remember that it wasn't like he started 27 straight games. It was kind of off and on in that situation and those, no I, they, they, that was like a six start in that big 12 championship game last year that season i think six it might have been uh, that six yeah. or four but that also tells you that as recently as the start of the 2022 season after he had started games in each of the previous two seasons yeah. kansas state went and got another quarterback and yeah. started him over him so again yeah. it's just it's all part of the it's all part of it like i i feel like we're i think we're doing a pretty good job of balancing this because i mm-hmm. think we see what Ryan Day has to work with here, but we see what he also has to um, improve on. And the other thing, I don't think Kansas State used his skill set as a passer the right way. Right. And yeah, I think that's probably – that might be true. Because So what I did, Nathan Andrew, I watched games. I do this with everything. I watch it first, and then I go look at numbers to see if the numbers back up how the eye test did for me. I, that's how I do it. Some people do it the other way around, but I have preferred to do it that way. It's like, I watched it. This is how I feel about it. And then I go look at the numbers. Like, okay, I was on pace with where the numbers were. I thought he's got a, he's got a strong arm, man. He's got a really strong arm. In that, in that Big 12 championship game, there were times when we talked about this with Justin Fields, opposite hash mark, and he's throwing outside the numbers, and it's on the money. It's where it needs to be. The timing is there. The zip is perfect. 
they just didn't do that stuff enough. They they did yeah. tunnel screens, a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of stuff over the It's like he's not that good over the middle, and yet Kansas State consistently put him over the middle this past year. And it's like short over the middle as well. 44% of his passes in 2023 were short passes. Between, that's, so that's between zero yards and nine yards, and they were over the middle of the field a lot of the times. They didn't let him go downfield enough. And maybe it's because they don't have the guys who can go and get it downfield, but they didn't let him zip it downfield, and they weren't outside the numbers enough. And that's where, once again, uptick in environment. That's where Ryan Day's got to capitalize because we've seen him do that with a quarterback before. I'm gonna. This is the first time I'm going to bring up Justin Fields. I'll probably bring him up again in the running category, and it's not because he's as good as Justin Fields, but they are from the same tree as these guys with strong arms, play action. They can do it with their legs a little bit, and I think whatever section of the playbook Ryan Day used with Justin Fields in the passing game, I think he needs to apply that to Will Howard if he wins this job, where it's play action, outside of the numbers, and down the field. And that's going to be very different than what we saw with Dwayne Haskins, uh, C.J. Stroud, and Kyle McCord. And I think it's why I'm thinking that Trevin Henderson, of the, of the decisions that haven't come in as we're recording this on Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. is looming as like just a, a massive... Like Enough guys have come back on defense now that I'm almost like, well, almost if nobody else came back on defense, you might still be mm-hmm. good there. You could do a lot with Trevin Henderson if, if he decides to come back. Okay, so that's him as a passer. We'll take a break, and then we'll talk about him as a runner, which, as I said, he's not Justin Fields, but he, they do run him a lot with design runs, and there's that's an element that Ohio State did not have this past season at all. So we'll get into more of that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. We're talking Will Howard here on Buckeye Talk as the transfer quarterback from Kansas State for Ohio State. I'll let Nathan go first with the passing. Andrew, I'm going to let you go first with the running situation. What makes Will Howard dangerous as a runner? He's really patient. Um, you know, there, there was things that I watched where, again, in the Oklahoma State game, um, which was statistically his best running game of the season. And then you look at the yardage and he had a 70 yard run. Um, but I thought it was really interesting when you watch that play. There was it was kind of like a lone quarterback. He was a lone quarterback in the backfield, um, empty set. And you had tight ends. And what you did was it was like a quarterback power play where memory serves. You had the left guard pull and the right guard pull. And Howard just kind of took like two shuffle steps to the right. And he was really patient in waiting for those guys to set up down the field. And it was just a really well-designed play. And it, you know, they went to review and he got stopped at the one yard line. They thought it was a 71 yard touchdown run. It was a 70 yard touchdown run or 70 yard touchdown or 70 yard run. that got turned into a one yard touchdown on the next play, but he was really patient with that. And the thing that I look at him with a running game is we mentioned his mobility in the pocket. I think he's got really, really good pocket awareness and he can move around the pocket really, really well. But when he runs the ball, this is not somebody who he gets out in space and, you know, Gus Johnson's going to say it's a track meet. Or here they go down. It's a race down the side. No, because the, the corner's faster than him. There are dudes on the field that, that are faster than him. So, you know, you it, it has to be kind of set up well for him. And it has to be designed well for him. But the run game, I think he's really patient in. And I think that that makes a difference because he can see what he's looking at. And he can do kind of different things that, you know, it's not going to get him into trouble per se. You know, he can kind of make those runs that are just really smart and and he'll he'll do things that are you know again he's not runaway speed i 
I don't know even if he's like a Riley Leonard type player. I don't. I think Riley Leonard is is a better runner. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I'm trying to think of other guys that I would compare him to. Um, I'd have to think about that. But the the threat of him running is almost just as good as him running. I think you know in the Kansas game there was a play. It was fourth down, and they, you know they needed a play. They were deep in Kansas territory, and he only ran the ball four times in that Kansas game. But one of the times he did run it, he pulled it and they were running read option all game and they were doing a lot of different things all game that made Kansas respect it and that made Kansas look at it and go, wow, like we have to actually account for this guy. And then one time he pulls it and he can go. So he is a threat and I'm interested to see how Ohio State incorporates that into its offense because that is something that you have to use to maximize his ability, right? You can't just treat him like Kyle McCord. You can't just treat him like, you know, Lincoln Keenholz or, or somebody that, you know, doesn't really kind of have that added element of running the ball. Like you, you've got to treat him like you would a Devin Brown. You've got to treat him in that type of manner because that's what makes him dangerous, right? Like that's what makes defenses account for him. So I'm interested to see what kind of things they do. I thought Colin Klein at Kansas State, I thought he called a pretty bad game against Kansas. They were killing him on the ground and he didn't run the ball. They were just throwing it repeatedly. But they incorporated some unique elements, a lot of RPOs, a lot of read options. They would run the receiver in motion a lot, and they would kind of use that off a read. There was just a lot going on there in the backfield, and I think that that's how you maximize Will Howard in terms of what he can do running the ball, but also how the offense can change when you have a running quarter. Nathan, 351 yards, nine touchdowns this year, 4.3 yards per carry. For Will Howard, what stands out for you when you look at him and as a runner? So the very first thing I wrote down on this legal pad was a, a comp that jumped out to me, and it reminded me of when I was um, when I worked in Lafayette. Uh, one of the guys I worked with, uh, who covers Purdue, Mike Carmen, uh, had Bears season tickets. I would go to games with him sometimes, and I would um, or, or go on my own with with other people using his tickets. And we were at a game one time. It was my first him, time seeing. It was my first time why seeing did you, this. Wait, why did you say that? Like he didn't know that information. And if he listens to this pod, he's going to figure out what you were doing with those tickets. No, I went with him. And I think in this, this often, I often went with him or he, or I would buy okay. the tickets from him. And okay. uh, because he couldn't always use them because he covered a college football team on, on weekends. Yeah. And I, this one particular game is the first time I saw this person play in person. And they like, towered over some of the other certainly defensive players and even some of their own offensive linemen and it was Ben Roethlisberger and I was like oh that is a huge human being like that is a massive dude and I would not use Will Howard's name and Justin Fields' name in the same sentence kind of ever except that they both transferred to Ohio State and announced that decision on January 4th in different years like (laughs) Hey, uh, Justin Fields ran for 1,100 yards in the NFL last year. Will Howard is not going to run for 1,000 yards ever in the NFL, maybe in his career. But and and I and I want to make sure people understand because we we've, we've been getting to this semantic thing all week in in conversations about Will Howard and other people. The difference between like a dual threat quarterback and a mobile pocket passer. Like to me, it's almost more when he runs. Does he look when Justin Fields runs? He looks like a, I don't know if you'd want to say running back, because like physically maybe it doesn't resemble a running back, but he looks like a different kind of athlete. He looks like a a athlete who can run for a lot of yards in the best levels of college football or NFL. 
And same thing about Jalen Hurts, same thing about some of those other guys who run for a lot of yards. When Will Howard runs, he looks like a quarterback. But he's big, and he's he is fast for his size. The question is that I have about him as a runner is, as you said, a lot of design runs that Kansas State did with him. How often is he going? Is Ohio State going to do that? Because he got a lot of those yards that you're talking about off of the a read option that he keeps, misdirection, those sorts of things, where he's got kind of like an open path to a good chunk of yardage. How often is Ohio State? How often is Ryan Day going to let him do that? Does it even need to let him do that? Like maybe the passing stuff will be enhanced enough that this becomes a, a smaller part of his game. In the two games that I watched really closely here for our exercise, there weren't a lot of instances of him of of the packet of the pocket um, collapsing. Now, one of the problems was in the Missouri game. Often it was coming right at his face. It's we, we've talked so much about how interior pressure can really kill a team. And I thought that was really happening to, to Kansas state in that game. Um, so it wasn't so much that it was collapsing from the outside and he could step up and run it or even like get outside and evade. It was like the worst kind of pressure sometimes, but I didn't see a lot of instances of where he just like takes off running and like slides and, and, and turn, it gets a scramble for a first down or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where he could be. Uh, he could probably do that more with Ohio state um, with the kind of the style of offense that they play, the way that they arrange things, I think that might be more uh, reachable for him. But I, I, I do like what Andrew said, which is this guy's got four years of film of and and stats and everything, a, a true reputation of being a guy who will run and can run. And I think that alone is an important thing to be putting in the mind of any defense that has to go up against Ohio State this year. And Ohio State probably then needs to, in turn, run him enough to make that yeah. a thing that defenses don't um, push out of their game plan as the season goes along. Make sure that that's there at all times. Because if you have to just keep one linebacker up and instead of sagging back into some kind of bracketed coverage or or getting into coverage on your tight ends or whatever, if you have to make one linebacker account for him at all times because he could go off running – or one safety, whatever, however you want to do it, then you've you're you're giving yourself more opportunities downfield for him to use this arm that we're talking about. Um, I, when Nathan said Ben Roethlisberger, I was jumping out of my seat because as I was watching him run, the first thing I said was, "Oh, he's Josh Allen because he's six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds, and it's like he's a hard man to tackle." But then I I, I backed off. It's like, okay, Josh Allen's one of like the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. Arguably, he's in that conversation, and so let's not go that far with it. And I was like, who else was that big? Oh, Big Ben was that big. I don't. He's not fast. Will Howard's not fast. He's he's got enough juice there, and he's big, and he is just a tough tackle. And I think you're right, Andrew. He reads it well. I think he can solve Ohio State's short yardage problem because what we haven't seen since Justin Fields in a major way was one the QB sneak on third and one, just get the first down and let's keep it rolling. But also like in red zone situations, they've done everything from like big man packages and, you know, they try to jet sweep against Notre Dame, which was a crazy play call. They, it seems like they're, they're trying a million different things to figure this out. And you, when you've got a six foot five, 242 pound quarterback, it seems like a very simple solution to a problem. If your offensive line Trent continues to improve and you've got somebody this big who's already a tough tackle. I think that's where this shows up more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You have, 
Like, let's, I mean, even if you don't have Trevion, you know, you still have a pretty good running back, Dal Hayden. But, like, imagine Trevion in the backfield where you have that kind of speed with a guy like Will Howard. That's a really difficult combination because you don't need Will Howard to go out there and carry the ball 15 times. You just need Will Howard to go out there and carry the ball, like, six, seven, eight, nine times. And if you do that at a reasonable clip, you are keeping defenses honest. And I think I made this point before. I think it helps the offensive line out. Like, I think you can, you can, you know, maybe create some mismatches if they have to, you know, the rush isn't as big, if they have to account for a guy who is going to run or, you know, you have to read your keys because all of a sudden the dive, you didn't trust Kyle McCord. You didn't think Kyle McCord could run the ball because he wasn't going to, and he, he was hurt and he couldn't do it. And now all of a sudden you can't collapse on a dive like that and blow it up. Like there are a lot of different things that go into it with a running game. So like it's almost, I don't, I don't, this is a very niche comparison. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who John Boyce is. Uh, He does, you know, very good YouTube videos. And he did this Mm -hmm. video one time where he talked about Barry Bonds in like 2001. And he was like, well, what would have happened if Barry Bonds played without a bat? And the synopsis was like, his is is Barry Bonds' idea of his fear of against pitching staffs that he faced just too much because people would just he would walk up to the plate and they would just intentionally walk him immediately. They wouldn't even think about it because they didn't want him to hit. And I wonder if like the fear of Will Howard and like the idea of Will Howard running the ball is like better than Will Howard actually running the ball. Like if that makes any kind of sense. Like I wonder if defenses are gonna look at Ohio State's offense and be like this is going to be a pain in the ass. Like this is, this is not going to be fun to prepare for because not only do you have to prepare for a quarterback that can run and adding that 11th player, but you have to prepare for a pretty good running back in Trevion Henderson. That's going to make things difficult on your defensive line, which you should have the advantage. Again, like we've talked about the offensive line enough. If you're a defensive coordinator going into a game against Ohio state, unless you're like Michigan state, you know, if you're in one of these matchup games, you probably feel that you're going to have the advantage against Ohio state's offensive line, or at least you have the edge. And now all of a sudden that's going to be mitigated. And Oh, by the way, you have these, the monsters on the outside at receiver. I just think that the, the, like the idea of Will Howard and what he could do is just going to be really difficult for opposing defenses to game plan for, because you do have that size in the backfield with Howard, but then you also do have this lightning component with Trevion Henderson. I'm not going to say it's thunder and lightning. We haven't seen it happen yet. That's too cliche, but I do think that it does give you another element that is going to really make things difficult on opposing defense. I want to reach back and just clarify something real quick that I said before when I, when I said that fields looks like something else and, and Howard looks like a quarterback when he runs. I stand by that, but I don't want that to make it sound like I, I think he, he looks unnatural or uncomfortable running the ball. I think he, he runs, he is a good running quarterback. He's just not that, that other thing, whatever that is. Uh, and we, you know, it when you see it and, and Justin Fields showed it to us a lot of times, but I think you hit on something too, that I think is important, which is you can't just talk about Will Howard's running ability in a vacuum. I think it has to be talked about in tandem with, whoever they're pairing with him with in the backfield. And I think if it's Trevian Henderson, like we can go back to 2019 and see what it looks like when you take an NFL running back in JK Dobbins and you put him with a, the, a, a quarterback who, even if he, this guy's not Justin Fields has that rushing element that is above what Ohio state usually puts on the field. What that does to the, I mean, it really ties defenses in knots 
as they're trying to defend those read options. It was just absolutely um, catastrophic for defenses at times. And it, it led to like so many breakaway touchdowns for Dobbins, especially that season, but even occasionally for, for fields. So that's something that I'm, I'm definitely a little bit keen on that. Like what, what can happen in tandem with those guys now, Obviously, the big X factor was there were some NFL guys on that offensive line, too. And it remains to be seen exactly what's going to happen with this offensive line. I think that's still an X factor for whoever's going to be running the ball for Ohio State this year. But having this much mobility, and we we could probably be having a very similar conversation about Devin Brown here, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that this is a, a, a thing that Will Howard necessarily has a huge advantage over Devin Brown in if, if as we expect that to be a real competition, he's bigger and he's more experienced at it. He's done it in more games as far as like, especially the read option stuff. So um, we'll see if, if that is a difference maker, but in terms of athletic ability that in this area, I think they're actually pretty close. Yeah. I, I think that the separator is he's just significantly bigger than Devin Brown. And it's not like, Hey, Devin, go put on 25 pounds in the weight room. It's just, he's just a bigger human being than what Devin is, which is why I brought up specifically the short yardage part of this. All right, Nathan, I'm there with you. I asked you that question at the beginning of the pod and I'm there. I think, I think if this hits, I think Travion Henderson can be J.K. Dobbins. I'm and I'm not saying two thousand yards and all that stuff because that's that's also not his game. He also has some. He can be used in the passing game as well. But I think like Travion Henderson has yet to play with a quarterback like what J.K. Dobbins played with in 2017 with J.T. Barrett and then in 2019 with Justin Fields, who was like. Yo, you have to worry about the quarterback running just as much as me. And because you have to spend that extra half a second thinking, oh, maybe the quarterback kept the ball, I'm gone. Plus, I'm also just awesome. And if Travion Henderson does decide to come back, I I, I think you're right. I think he benefits the most from Will Howard being the quarterback. And maybe you could say the same thing about Devin Brown, but we're talking about Will Howard right now. So that's what we're going to talk. I just, having that threat in his game, I think Travion Henderson might have if he comes back, maybe three extra explosive runs on the table per game just because a team spent an extra half a second thinking about Will Howard keeping it. If Ryan Day goes that route, he also just had, I think Ryan Day doesn't run the quarterback. So it's almost like as much as we're talking about Will Howard, the runner, and what he can do and how patient he is in the read game and you know how big he is, how much are we maybe expecting Ryan Day to actually tap into that? Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't, I, I don't have a great read on what, because um, I don't think day is days. I'm bringing him here to run the ball. It, it's an auxiliary talent that he has, and it'll be a different offense than he ran at Kansas state, mm-hmm. different structure, different ways of attacking the field, different personnel also importantly. So I, I do think though that this is where Devin Brown is also a crucial piece of this. Like the best case scenario ahead of Ohio State is Devin Brown, who's already staying here to compete for the job this spring, decides he's also going to spend his redshirt sophomore season here. That would be maybe unexpected in the current climate mm-hmm. of college football just for him to stay for a third year and start the year as a backup. But he would still have two more years after that to go use either here if he stayed and tried to win the job after Howard left or somewhere else. Um, this is again, assuming Brown doesn't blossom and somehow beat out Howard for the job, 
But to have Devin Brown behind Howard as a third-year guy with a very similar skill set would allow you to let Howard play with a little more freedom, I think, and, and allow you to run with him a little bit more because there's been this fear about the drop-off from your starter to your second guy, and that might not be as significant in some ways by the time this next season starts. So last question here, and I don't even know if we can answer this definitively right now, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Andrew, and I'm going to start with you. And it's unfair because we all you didn't watch the same games that Nathan did, and so maybe oh, you didn't no, get the I did best reads over. It's okay. Did. I mean, it happens. But uh, but you did watch all of Kyle McCord. Do you think this has the potential to be an upgrade? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it does. Um, I think I, I I look at McCord and I see a better passer. I think than than Will Howard. Because I think McCord, we, we talked about this a lot where he would just kind of make these decisions where you're like, what? what? Like, what do you do? What are you looking at? But there, there, and there were like, to me, it wasn't an accuracy thing. It was a decision making thing. You know, like anytime there was like, you know, of course, no quarterback is going to bat a thousand when they when they make these throws but to me a lot of the the questions and kind of the red flags that i had about mccord were kind of more related to decision making and when things break down with howard i have more questions about the accuracy than i did with mccord so that is not ideal in a scenario but i do think it's gonna unlock something in the offense that i think is unique and I do think, like, kind of like we were talking about with the running game, you can't just ignore that, right? You know, it's like you don't look in the, you know, in the, if you're if you're comparing NFL stats, you don't compare, you know, Lamar Jackson's passing stats to Patrick Mahomes because they're different. Because Lamar Jackson can run the ball, and it's the same thing. Will Howard can run the ball, and you have to look, you have to take that into account. So, I feel better about McCord as a passer, but I think you could make the case overall that you could feel better about Will Howard. Because Will Howard does kind of have that upside, you know, that we mentioned the the big time throws that he'll make, the, you know, the the live arm, the all the other kind of things that he'll do. And even if it's not as consistent, I think the run game does give you something different and it does make this offense really tough to defend. And I mean, when this when this offense is kind of humming along and you've got, you know, Trevion Henderson running the ball really well, and all of a sudden defenses have to account for Will Howard now. And what does that do when what does that do for the run game when defenses are so fixated on the pass and vice versa? Like I think that you could talk yourself into this being good. And I don't even know that it, when I say talk yourself into that, it has to be significant, you know, that it has to be a, you know, a significant persuasion. I think you could right now think that it's a better situation than what Ohio State had in 2023. I'm going to hold off judgment on that. I think it's better than what they had certainly as of a week ago. I, I don't know if it's better than what they had in 2023 with McCord, but I do think in a manner of speaking, it would kind of be like not, you're not going from Chipotle to Moe's or Qdoba. You're going from like Chipotle to five That's guys. A take. You're going from like That's Chipotle to five guys where it's like Chipotle, Qdoba and Moe's are like kind of all similar. And I know some people are very upset by that take. It's just different. 
it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you know one's better. It's just me. It just means that sometimes Five Guys is better than Chipotle because you want a burger, and sometimes it's different. And I just think these guys are different, but different might be better for Ohio State in twenty twenty four. I just feel like the reason I say that's a take is because like you went to a whole different style of food. You went. That's from what I'm saying. Will Howard Mexican and Kyle McCord are whole different styles of food. That's the point. One is a Although burger. One is a, guys, one is a burrito. Five Guys is pretty overrated, so maybe that's not a good analogy. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> wow. we go. Nathan Baird says Will Howard's overrated. <laughs> no, I said, I said Five Guys is overrated. Um, five Guys is overpriced. I, I will say overpriced that. But, I, is but also, Chipotle is clearly last on this list. Chipotle is clearly yeah. last. See? Exactly. You could have hey, opinions hey, about it. I feel better about this hey, take now. It's like, hey, Five Guys, why don't you charge me like $1.50 less and don't give me a duffel bag full of fries? Just give me a normal adult <laughs> a, amount of fries. Yeah, yeah. You can do that. It's okay, Five Guys. Wow. You can do it. What do you think, Nathan? Do you think this is this has the chance to be an upgrade? Yes. Yes, I think it has a chance to be an upgrade. I'm not going to sit here and say for sure that right now I know that Ohio State's quarterback play will be more dynamic and more consistent than it was in 2023. Because as people who listen to this podcast know, I was not as... Uh, fire and brimstone about Common Court's performance as, as some people were. It lacked in some ways, but go back and w- actually watch. Don't just watch Will Howard highlights. Go back and actually watch full games of Will Howard, and you'll see that yeah. his performance lacked at times too. Um, these Neither one of these guys were in New York for a reason. And McCord's performance in terms of efficiency and things like that was significantly better. But he had, Will, he had Marvin Harrison Jr. on his side. He had Ryan Day's system on his side. And I think those are... Will Howard won't have the former of those two things, but he will have the latter. He will also have what I think is a clear, um, not just system upgrade, but the supporting talent upgrade. And if Ohio State figures out the offensive line and doesn't put him in a lot of situations as Kansas State was, where he's you know backpedaling and, and under pressure in some of the biggest games of the season, then I think they'll be in good shape. I think Ohio State pass protected better than Kansas State did from the games that I watched here. Pass protection until the Cotton Bowl was not like a consistent problem for Ohio State. And if they can take a step there and make that even uh, more solid in 2024, that's a good foundation for Howard. I I look at it in a lot of ways um, like I looked at this past season, except last season it was more of a theory. Last season it was more of like, well, you know, if this defense is as good as it could be, and if Trevion Henderson makes a step, then how good does the quarterback actually have to be? And your mileage may vary on how you actually think that turned out at the end of the season. Uh, but we know next year, if all these guys come back, this is going to be, on paper at very least, the best defense in the country to start the year, right? Like what other defense is going to have like nine guys who could conceivably be in the NFL starting for them? And... Then on top of that, if Trevian Henderson comes back and Emeka Ibuka comes back, I mean, you start and then all these these young receivers potentially start coming into their own. Like you, you start to see again where this your quarterback doesn't have to throw you to wins. He just has to play, I think, with a little bit more poise and a little bit cleaner than McCord did in 2023. And maybe McCord would have gotten there in 2024 himself. But as he said himself, uh, business decisions were made. And Will Howard made one too. Will Howard is here partially for a business decision, whether that's in the short term 
uh, in terms of what players can now make with with NIL, whether that is in the long term of making himself a better NFL prospect. But I think he comes here knowing that he has the tools. He needs a better set of blueprints. So now we'll see if his tools beat out Devin Brown's tools, which I think he wouldn't be coming here if he didn't have a reasonable expectation that he's the front runner right now. And if that combination with Ryan Day's blueprint takes this up a notch. So I think it has a chance to be an upgrade. I'm just not sure what that means yet and how much of an upgrade that is because Kyle McCord's career here, it was not perfect, but it boiled down to he threw an interception early in the Michigan game and Ohio State can never overcome it. And it's tough, but that's what happened. And he doesn't throw that interception. Maybe we're looking at some things differently. Or maybe if, you know, Donovan Jackson doesn't trip and he's able to complete that pass to Marvin Harrison Jr., maybe we're looking at this differently. That's all, you know, hypotheticals of how this could play out differently. But the point of the matter is Kyle McCord made the mistake you couldn't make in a game you couldn't make it. And it cost, it's part of the reason why Ohio State is not playing for a national championship on Monday, and Michigan is. So do I think that a fifth-year guy who started multiple games across five years, basically, now, if he wins this job, can be an upgrade in terms of he doesn't make that mistake? Sure. Sure. I think that's possible. But I also thought that could have been possible with Kyle McCord, just being in his second year as a starter. So is that really an upgrade if it's just a normal transition? It's just a different dude who's doing who's still on the same path. It, so it brings me back to the conversation we had back in the summer, Nathan, about how good does Ohio State's quarterback have to be? Does it have to be that? Does it have to be a Heisman Trophy level? Does it have to be the C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins level quarterback when your defense might be awesome and the weapons might be awesome? Or can it just be you know top 20, top 15, top 10 maybe? Does it have to be one of the best quarterbacks in college football? I don't necessarily think – I think that's best case scenario here is that Will Howard just turns into that. And the only reason that he wasn't that before is because he wasn't playing in an offense that had this many weapons and with a defense who gave him every – the largest rope possible to make mistakes with. But I think a more reasonable thing here is it's good. He doesn't make the bad mistake. And I don't know how many games he's the number one reason why Ohio State wins. And it's fine if all of these weapons continue to come back. I think that's a reasonable place to put it. And I'm not sure how much of a up, if that's like a 15% upgrade, an 80% upgrade, or a 5% upgrade quite yet. And I think you just maybe have to see it when they play a good team next year to be able to really stamp, oh, yeah, this is 100% an upgrade than what Kyle McCord was potentially going to be in year two. That'll wrap up this deep dive into Will Howard. Like I said, get to text 614-350-3315, two-week free trial, three ninety nine after that. For Nathan Baird and for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.